0: Are you ready to become the go-to in your industry without having to fake it till you make it? I'm Caroline Vanatta and I teach creatives like you the key that unlocks radical confidence so you can be proudly known as a creative expert. We're gonna have meaningful conversations here to highlight the mindset shifts it takes to become your industry's go-to and stop trading dollars for hours. Hey guys, today I'm talking with Jess Jordana. She is a copywriter and has the Prompt Late Shop where you can get these amazing prompts and templates to make your website copy and so many amazing things in your business. We had this conversation as we are kind of going through everything with the coronavirus and we wanted to talk about some things that we thought were always relevant but super relevant right now because you might be experiencing a lot of noise online. You're seeing that, and so you're wondering if people are even listening to what you're saying, or how you can make your message stand out, or how you can really communicate your value, which you guys know I love talking about. And just shares so many valuable tips. You're gonna want to be taking notes while listening to this, or listen to it for a second time because there are things you can start implementing now with your email, your Instagram captions, however you're communicating, and your business. And I'm just so grateful that she came on the show and that we were able to do something that's so relevant right now. And she shares so much of her genius. I know you're going to love it. Jess, thanks so much for joining us here today. Can you share a little bit with us about your story and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: I made it to the copywriting industry by way of being a high school teacher. So I had a little bit of an unconventional path when I was in college, I was an English major, and when people asked me what I wanted to do, I said not be a teacher, <laughs> and life had different plans for me, and so I found myself graduated working at Starbucks and thinking like, okay, I need a real job at this point, and at that point, I was also very engrossed in the creative business world, and I was like, I want to start my own business, but I had no audience, I didn't know what people needed, and so God really put teaching in front of me as a path and I thought, okay, this is going to be great. It's going to be super easy and I can write whenever I get home. And that was like the rudest awakening I've ever had in my life. (laughs) I started teaching high school seniors with no prior teaching experience and it was really rough. My very first day I typed out an eight page speech because I didn't know what else to do. And I was up there just delivering like why my class is going to be awesome and why it was going to be different than anything else. And there were people with their backs literally turned to me. There was a student in the front row doing her makeup as I was talking. Everyone was on their phones. It was so discouraging. And after that first day, I say that that is when I learned the lesson that has informed my entire business. And that is, this is not about you, Jess. So I learned that lesson my very first day, but over three years of teaching, it was really refining me through total refining fire on learning that lesson even deeper and figuring out how to serve kids in the way that they needed instead of the way that I wanted them to come out of my class with skills or whatever. And so that was the best and worst experience of my entire life. I loved it so much. But my third year, I really took stock of what I was doing. And I thought, do I want to do this five years, 10 years down the road? And the answer was no. I still had that heart for creative business. And so before I started teaching, I thought, oh, maybe I could be a graphic designer I have zero design skills at all. Maybe I could be a calligrapher, which I have nice handwriting, but I did my own wedding invitations and it was the worst. And so I was just trying to think of like everything that everybody else was doing that I could do. And I was looking over my actual skills and what I was inherently good at. And that was writing. And so I knew some people who were doing copywriting in the creative industry. And so I just thought, I'm just going to tell people that I'm going to do this and it's going to work. I had absolutely no doubt that it would work. And I think that was Mm. totally God. And so I, it was the very last day of my high school teaching career. And I put on Instagram to my 500 followers (laughs) that this is what I was going to be doing. And I didn't have a website or anything. And I was booked out completely for a three month waiting list by seven days later. And so I think that that was really a sign of like, if you show up and if you're confident in what you're doing, it is Already coming to you, really, and you can figure it out. And so, really, I did have to figure it out at that point. I was kind of building the plane as it was already flying, but I think that was a really helpful first summer of work because I didn't have the luxury of creating my perfect process or crafting the perfect ideal client avatar. I just had to dive in with real people Mm -hmm. and deliver for them. And I think that that was the most important thing that I could have done in
0: the beginning. So that's just a little bit of how I got started. Oh my gosh. Such a good story. Literally when you were talking about high schoolers, like facing their back towards you, I was like, that's what so many people experience. Clearly not you. When they're starting their business, they're like, oh my gosh, is anybody listening? Like nobody cares. I have this whole thing planned out. I worked days on my website and months on this offer and, you know, getting things out into the world and nobody's listening. But I love that picture so much and how you overcame that by reframing that high school seniors and everybody else in the world, they don't want it to be about you. They want it to be about them and what they want right then. I love that so much. Can you elaborate a little bit more? I know you mentioned about you just having unshakable confidence. You had no doubt that this was going to be successful and that that was really because of This calling you had from God. Can Mm -hmm. you? I know there are a lot of Christians also listening to this. I'm a Christian and I can definitely relate to this how, Mm -hmm. like, connecting to something bigger, someone that you can rely on, how that can just keep you at peace with not necessarily the how, but just like moving forward. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what that's like for you, and especially in those first few days when you launched. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: I really operate on the belief of the verse that says, I think, oh gosh, it might be in Colossians. I'm going to get this wrong, but it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion in the day of our Lord. And I think that that gives me so much hope because I knew that my obsession with the creative business world wasn't on accident. I'm serious guys. I downloaded like every freebie, every under hundred dollar course I could get, I bought and I just learned and learned and I didn't have a business. And so I knew like, my passion for this is not an accident and God is going to do something with this. And so I think that that was really what that unshakable confidence was from. And when I say unshakable confidence, it probably doesn't look like what you would think unshakable confidence looks like in my mind. I was like, this is going to work. But in my heart, I thought it was going to work, but in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to deliver website copy for the very first time to somebody like, is it going to suck? Is it like, what's going to happen? Are they going to yell at me? Like all of those fears were still running through my head, Mm -hmm. but that didn't change the fact that I knew it was going to work. And so I think that is really important to know because fear and action are not mutually exclusive and we have to, move forward with confidence, even if we don't feel it in our heads at that very moment.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's such a great illustration. I talk a lot about not faking it till you make it because that gets thrown around a lot. And I've heard a lot of coaches just be like, you got to fake it till you make it. But it also if there, what's on the other side of not faking it so you make it, it doesn't mean that there aren't voices inside your head or there right. aren't these deep rooted, like in our brain, subconscious fears about people not liking us. I mean, we're humans and like God created us and it was for connection. And sometimes yep. we can get in our head and because of past experiences or other beliefs, we believe that something's not going to work for whatever reason. I love that so much yeah. when we also believe that we're called to something bigger. So mm-hmm. thank you so for much sure. for sharing that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what those first few months of working with clients was like. I love so much you talking about taking action, not figuring out this perfect process or ideal client avatar Mm -hmm. and just diving in there. I'd love to hear about what those few months were actually like and what you came out on the other side learning. Like, do you now, or after those three months, did you have much more clarity on your niche, your ideal client and things like that?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so the first few months looked like a lot of calls with clients, so I had to really like dive in deep with the clients that I had in order to kind of figure out the questions that I needed to ask them and because i didn't have like a questionnaire or anything like that, and so I was kind of creating that as i went and so really i think that one thing that i focused on was capturing those things as soon as i quote unquote figured them out like still they were pretty fluid but i would record a call that i had with a client and then I would go back and watch that call and I would write down the questions that I asked them because I really was just like verbally processing with them and going deeper with them. But those were questions that I needed to ask everyone. And so I really just worked hard to capture those things as I was doing that. And I worked on giving myself time limits at the very beginning because I knew if I let myself research as much as possible. If I let myself rewrite and rewrite things. I still rewrote things, but it could take forever. And so I really just worked on defining the amount of time. Like I have one full day to write this homepage and now I can write them a lot more quickly than that. But for me at that time, that was a stretch. And so I knew like, I have to get this homepage done. And so I had to focus. I had to make sure that I wasn't researching too many things and that I was just using the data that I had for my clients and things like that because I think as a creative business owner, you can learn forever, but you have to figure out how to put those things into action and apply what you're learning, because otherwise learning is just another form of procrastination, really. So I think those were the most important things that I did in my first few months. And now that I'm thinking about it, I also made a point to not remind my clients that I was a beginner. They knew that I was a beginner, but I didn't want to be like, well, this is my first time, so I'm sorry if this is blah, 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 like self-deprecating kind of. And really that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of you're telling yourself I'm a beginner and I don't know what I'm doing instead of they hired me because I'm more of an expert in this than them. And I'm going to be able to deliver better than they could on their own. And so I think owning that is really important, even at the beginning.
0: I love that. Yeah. I always talk about how we expect that we have to be like 10 steps ahead of our client when really they just need us to be like a few steps ahead so that we can help them get from you know, the first step to the second. That's so awesome Mm -hmm. for sure. So can you tell us a little bit about the Promplate Shop Mm -hmm. and how you launched that and kind of what it is? And I'd also love to hear about, so we're recording this about a week before it's launching and a lot of things are going on with the coronavirus. I'm sure they still are if you're listening to this, but I'm curious, like, if that's kind of, if you've seen any shifts right now in how people are buying or wanting to use those templates.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the promptlet Shop started out of 100% need. It was probably about six months into my business. And I was getting more inquiries than I could handle. And I was grateful for that. But at the same time, it's really hard when people come into your inbox and you just constantly have to tell them no, because either you don't have the capacity or your prices have gone up and they can't afford to work with you or whatever. And I didn't have another option to give them. And I didn't know of really any copywriting templates out there. And so I went to a mastermind retreat. It was my very first one. With Jessica Rasdahl. She was my first mastermind coach. And we were sitting in a circle and we were all thinking about what our scalable product was going to be because we were all talking about, like, okay, we're tapped out for client work. Everybody in that group was. So we have to figure out a way to find something that will scale. And everybody said, Jess, don't do a course, do templates. And I was like, hold on, let me tell you about templates and why they're the worst. (laughs) Because I have a personal vendetta against templates after being a high school teacher and knowing that the template doesn't matter if there's not substance to fill it. And so constantly I would get assignments from students where they would, quote unquote, follow the requirements, but it wasn't actually saying anything. And the same thing I've seen with websites that people are just filling in the blanks, but there's not captivating substance there that's going to get the attention of their people, show them the value that they deliver, all of that kind of stuff. And so I was like, templates don't work. One size fits all templates do not work. And they were like, what would be the process for you to coach somebody into filling a template well. I said, I think I would have to give them prompts in order to get the right ideas out of their head and onto paper so that they can fill that with that substance. And they were like, okay, do that. And so then the promptlet shop was born because prompts plus template. So really, it was born out of. A very specific need but knowing that I didn't believe in how most people were filling that need and so I decided to kind of pivot it a little bit and go at it in a different direction but I also knew that my audience didn't want another course and they don't really want to learn how to be an amazing copywriter. They want to just learn how to get copy on their website that works. And so I took that feedback and really messaged my product according to that. So that was how it really started.
0: Okay. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit how like, I'm just curious if people have been more interested in it right now, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs have maybe more time on their hands, Mm -hmm. but also a lot of people are talking about how like people aren't ready to invest. And I feel like, I'm just curious what you've kind of been seeing going on the past few weeks.
1: Yeah. It's 50, 50, to be honest. I have people in my DMs who are saying, oh my gosh, website copy is on my quarantine list. Like absolutely. (laughs) Because they've put it off forever and they know that it's, a lot of people that have been following me frequently and have seen all of like the case studies and how well people do with the promplets, I think that I also have gotten people who are saying, I know this is important and I'm saving for it. That is one of my favorite responses in DMs, to be honest, because it shows people know their numbers and they know what's valuable and they're trying to work toward being able to invest in what's valuable for their business. So I love that. But there are also people who are like, I don't have time for this right now. I don't have the money for this right now. And they're kind of in that panic mode. So I guess it's not 50, 50, it'd be like 33% for each one. But anyway, I think for those people there, and I just posted on Instagram about this, those people are trying to protect their past success instead of thinking forward and pursuing their future progress. And so I think that that is something that I'd love to encourage people to shift their mindset around because when we get out of all of this craziness, it's going to be more noisy in the online world, because all of the businesses that aren't online right now are like, crap, I need to get online, all of that kind of stuff. And so now more than ever, your message needs to get through to the people that you're wanting to serve. And so I think that is, I have seen people deal with it in different ways, but that is the main thing that I want people to really remember.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so helpful. So can you share a little bit about maybe like some tips to really incorporate your unique value into words right now, which is always relevant, but maybe a lot of us are feeling more pressure because there is more noise or louder noise with things that are scary or crazy going on, how you can kind of stand out online and communicate your unique value.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the very first thing that is super important is to understand that value can't be defined in a vacuum. The definition of value is that someone else gives it worth. Someone else says that it matters and that is what your value is. It's not what you provide. It's not photography. That's not a value. It's not design. That's not a value. It's what your people, how much they want it and how much they need it. And so your job is to paint that picture whenever you're talking about your value. So I think it's really important to think through not just like, what do you do? I think a lot of times we think like, okay, my value proposition, like I am photographer. (laughs) Like that is so simple. That's the value I provide, right? But I think you have to think through what do you do and how do you do it differently? And that question can give you a variety of different things. For a designer, it might be that you approach the actual design differently. It might be that you have a different style. It might be that you get a different result for people than they're used to. It could be any different angle, but when you think of how do you do it differently, that's going to give you more of your actual value. But the second thing kind of ties in with that first one. I want you guys to ask real people better questions. So this goes back to The fact that at the beginning, I didn't have time to craft the perfect ideal client avatar. I think we waste a lot of time on those exercises when really we should just be asking the people that we're actually serving or who we want to serve questions about what they want and what they need. And that is going to help give you that, like, how do you do it differently thing, especially if you talk to past clients about that. So three questions that I typically say to ask your people is number one. What are you struggling with most right now? I guarantee that we all think we know that answer, but we don't know Mm -hmm. it in their words. And so you need to ask them that. And the second one is what would happen if you couldn't overcome that problem? So number one, what are you struggling with most right now? Number two, what would happen if you couldn't overcome that problem? And that is gonna give you why it matters. That is gonna give you the stakes because when I sent these questions out, the last time I sent them biannually, the last time I sent them out, I said, what would happen if you couldn't clarify your message? And I had people telling me that they would have to shut their business down, that they were going to be homeless. I had people telling me that they were going to have to stay in their soul sucking job forever. And like, those are things that I'm like, yeah, you need to be clear because you get more clients, but those are the stakes that I don't think of because it's something that comes naturally to me. And so that is the information that we really need to get from our people. And so then the question number three is, what would it look like if you could overcome that? Mm -hmm. And so we can paint the picture of what it looks like if they don't, and we can paint the picture of the vision, like what it looks like on the other side of that problem. And that is a robust message. That is something that's going to speak to your people and give them and the value that they want because you have what they need. And so I think that those questions are really important. And then the third and final step is to steal their language. Like verbatim steal it. Don't make it sound better, don't like fix anything, just steal their language because they're going to talk about it in a way that they understand and that means that your other ideal clients are going to understand that. And so that's something important that I think we skip over sometimes, even as copywriters, if there's copywriters listening, sometimes we think like, oh, that's good. Let me just like jazz it up a little bit and then I'll put it in there. But no, just leave it and it's going to speak directly to them. And so I think those three things I'll review really quickly. One, knowing that your value doesn't exist in a vacuum two, asking real people better questions, and three, stealing their language verbatim is going to really strengthen that value that you're putting in words on a page.
0: Yeah, that's so amazing. And I I love that method. I do that too. It's so easy to getting in your own techie language. You understand how to solve their problem. You understand what they need. not what they want. So it's like so hard to paint the picture, like you said, of that value Mm -hmm. because it is just their perception, their choice of what they value and what they want. I love that process so much because I feel like so many people skip over that. They maybe do like an Instagram poll or they just have a quick conversation with people where they're maybe not asking as pointed questions. Right. They're just taking something they've been hearing, which might even be other peers talking about, you know, stuff in their language. It's so so valuable to do that. I actually, when I started my coaching business, I did free coaching Mm -hmm. and I also did that as market research. I gathered testimonials and I got to ask those questions and get their language. And it was so helpful. Yeah. I I think a, a helpful exercise to
1: do, I don't know if you guys have heard of the before after bridge, like copywriting technique, but it's like Where are they before they work with you? And then where do they want to go or want to be after they work with you? And then you define everything in the middle. I kind of turn that a little bit and do the knowledge gap bridge. So it's like you said, Caroline, what do they want? You define that on one side and I do it very visually, like on a big sticky note paper. What do they want right now where they are? And then what do they need? Like, what do you know that they need in order to get what they want? But there's a huge gap in there because we, like you said, we have, our expertise, and we have so much experience in what they don't. And so then in the middle, you can go through and define everything that's keeping them or everything that's in between what they want and what they need. So those are things like mindset. What are their limiting beliefs that are keeping them from understanding that that's what they need? Those are things like things that they've done in the past or experiences that didn't work or whatever. So defining all of those things in the middle is going to give you so much, like you're going to have more content than you even know what to do with because you're going to be able to speak to them exactly where they are and help get them to that thing that you know that they need.
0: Yes, that's so good. I've literally had calls transcribed before and done exactly what you said where you copy and paste on a sales page. It's like it can be that simple. Yes. I'm curious if you have any tips or any headlines or email subject lines that we can use to kind of cut through the noise, really speak directly to people right now with everything going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So everyone is in everyone's inbox right now. And it's the same thing as on Black Friday. I taught these tips around Black Friday too, because it's like, okay, how do I not just say like Black Friday sale or coronavirus update or whatever everyone else is saying? And so you know that you need to be in people's inboxes or you need to show up on Instagram, but you're wondering how you can actually get that information to people like in their brains. And so I think one tip that I have is to say what everyone's thinking. So this is again, kind of like stealing their language. So Splendid Spoon is meal delivery service. And they did a good job of this the other day. Their subject line said, still in PJs. That's okay. We deliver. So everyone's thinking like, okay, I'm still in my pajamas and I'm trying to work from home and like manage my kids and all this stuff. I'm super busy. And then Splendid Spoon pops into your inbox and says, still in your PJs. So that's like, meeting the conversation inside of people's heads. I also on Black Friday, I had an email that I sent out that made $4,000, which was like my ultimate email that I've ever sent out to my very small audience. (laughs) And it just said, not another Black Friday something, or like, don't worry, this isn't a Black Friday I don't remember what it said at the end, but Mm. I was meeting that conversation because people are scrolling in their inboxes and they're like, Oh my gosh, another sale, another sale, another sale. And so you can kind of like meet people where they are in that for your subject lines or your hook in your Instagram caption. Another really tried and true tip is to open a loop. So As humans, our brains are wired to close loops. And so that's why when somebody asks a question, we want to answer it. That's why when somebody says, Once upon a time, we're like, Once upon a time, what? Tell me. And so if you have a subject line that asks them a question that tells like the beginning of a story or something, that's going to open a loop in their brain and they're going to want to finish it by opening the email. So An example of one of the emails that I've written recently, I said, I still can't believe she said this. And that one is really sticky because it's like, wait, what did she say? Like, why can't you believe it? All of that kind of stuff. I saw one recently that said, would you sign your name to this? Or would you sign this agreement? And that makes you wonder, like, I don't know, would I sign it? I need to open it to figure it out. So that's a really good tip. And then the third one is kind of an ethical marketing sort of tip that you need to tell them what's inside, but then you have to deliver. So Mm -hmm. if you've seen the ones that are like, open up for something really attractive, you need to make sure that on the other side of that, you're actually delivering because I'm not ethically a fan of clickbait just because it lowers people's trust in you. If they Are interested and then they click in and it doesn't match what they were interested in, then they're not going to trust you anymore. And then that ruins your no like, and trust for your brand in general. And I think it's a very Mm -hmm. subconscious thing, but it's really real. And so I think that's something that I love to tell people to do is make sure that yes, you're getting people's attention, but that you're actually delivering on the other side with something that's going to answer that attention.
0: I love that. That's so good. Honestly, I don't think I'd ever thought about that, but it really makes sense. Cause at the end of the day, if you're like offering a high value thing, you really do need to build that, like knowing trust. And even if it is them just out of the subconscious level being like, oh, like that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Those weren't actually the three tips to 10K months or whatever. Right. (laughs) They're just kind of going in the back of their mind. Oh, what? This isn't what I expected. And you don't want someone looking at your sales page being like, I don't know if this is what I expect it's going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think this happens all the time on Pinterest too. It's probably the easiest Mm. like example that I can give. If you think about scrolling through Pinterest, one time I found like a super awesome iced coffee at home recipe and it was posted by Nespresso and I have a Nespresso. So I was like, Oh cool. I want this recipe. And I clicked it. And then it just took me to their website, like their homepage. And I kept scrolling around and I'm like, is the recipe like at the bottom? I'm not really sure, but it was nowhere to be found. And so I was like Mm -hmm. super bummed and it was a very minor thing. But at the same time, I was expecting to have a cool recipe to try and I was ready and primed to take action, but they didn't meet me there. And so I couldn't like follow through on that. And really the building of a buying culture with your brand is getting them to make micro commitments and then you meeting them in those micro commitments. So whether you ask them to comment on a post and then you never comment back, like that is them seeing that they're choosing to take action and you're not going to meet them on the other side. And so those little tiny things matter a lot when all we have is online with people. And so I think that's really important to remember too.
0: Yeah. That's so helpful. I'm curious if there are any mindset shifts you can think about along the way in your journey, in your business that have really helped you thrive. Yeah. This is kind of a hard question. I think start before you're ready has been a
1: theme throughout my entire business. I think that one is a lot easier said than done. I think it's easier to start before you're ready when you're starting your business, but to say like, start before you're ready in something life related is harder for me because I like to plan things. So start before you're ready in your workout routine, like just start and do something start before you're ready in eating healthy or whatever, like business stuff comes easier to me, but that life stuff seems harder. I think another mindset shift I've had to have is to stop hiding. This one is hard for me because I think sometimes I feel really confident in certain areas, but I don't want anybody else to see it. Like I, for a long time, I didn't want other copywriters to see what I was doing because I was afraid that it wasn't good enough or that I didn't have Mm. the corporate experience that they all had. And so I was comfortable talking to like, photographers or designers who like don't do words, but I was terrified to show up in a space where people did words. And I didn't think that I was good enough to show up there. But if you're afraid and you're wanting to hide in any area, it's going to stunt your growth in every area because you're going to be hesitant to show up. And so I think that's something that I really had to get past in that like year one of my business that has really served me well since then.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Do you have any tips, anything specific you did to kind of overcome that? So in teaching, I had a happy folder.
1: <laughs> this sounds really weird, but I would put like my notes for my students and like mm. really stellar assignments from them where I like taught them something and they learned and they came through. And so I would, when things were really hard, I'd look at the happy folder and I, I have the same sort of thing on my desktop. I keep screenshots of client feedback of comments or client successes, like anything like that. There's a message that I just put in there yesterday that somebody said that they downloaded all of my freebies and put them into a gestured in folder because they have like their own folder for me on their computer, which uh. is the biggest compliment ever. But like little glimpses like that, that show that you're giving value. I think if you go back to those, you can realize like, yes, what I am doing does matter. And it helps you to kind of stay in your lane because you're not comparing your success to other people. You're just focusing on the success that you do have. And I think that's probably the biggest actionable thing that I did. Mm -hmm. And then just like, honestly, prayer and like refining my mindset in general and like catching those thoughts whenever they come up and redefining them, I think is something that I'm doing
0: daily probably for the rest
1: of my life. So. Yes.
0: (laughs) I love that so much. I love the idea of a happy folder. Yes. (laughs) Well, this has been so valuable. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom, your experience, and all these tips. Can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you?
1: Yes. So I am at Jess Jordana, J-O-R-D-A-N-A on Instagram. And I'm mostly on Instagram. I show up there pretty much every day. And I love chatting with people in my DMs. If you guys are looking for a quarantine <laughs> checklist for your business website copy is a really good place to start, and so you can head to the Promptlet Shop. Um, it is at my website jessicajordana.com/slash-the-Promptlet-Shop. I'm sure Caroline will put that in the show notes. And if you guys are wanting to get started for free and like try out the Promptlets, I do have mini Promptlets for your contact page and your Instagram bio, so you can kind of get a feel for the format before you commit to the whole website copy bundle. We can drop all of those links for you if you guys are interested and I'm excited to connect with everyone.
0: Yay, awesome. Thank you so much, Just. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being a part of the creative expert movement. Share this episode with a friend or on social media. So together we can empower creatives to charge more, work less and fall back in love with their businesses. If you're ready to jump in and become a creative expert, I have a free training where you'll find out yes or no. If you're ready to launch an expert product, like a course coaching or in-person event, go to become a and DM me on Instagram while you're watching so that together we can make a custom plan for you to become your industry's go-to leader. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Expert Podcast. I'll see you next week.